2: Welcome to ABG, Asian Boss Girl, a podcast for the modern day Asian American woman. I'm Janet. I'm Helen. I'm Mel. And I'm Ivory. Hello, hello, we are back with another episode and a very special guest to close out Women's History Month. Here at Asian Boss Girl, we are dedicated to supporting the expansion of representation of AAPI voices. This includes expanding beyond our own experiences, in this case, as cisgender women. The timing of this episode is significant because March 31st marks International Transgender Day of Visibility, a global awareness day that celebrates the accomplishments of transgender and gender non-conforming people, and sheds awareness on the work still necessary to achieve trans justice.
3: Today's guest is Ivory Aquino, a transgender Filipino-American actress known for portraying Cecilia Chung, a transgender activist in the docudrama When We Rise. Ivory is a powerful advocate for trans children and transgender rights. Her story is one of self-awareness, conviction, and purpose, and we're so excited to speak with her today. Please welcome Ivory Aquino to the ABG podcast.
1: Hello, hello, and I just want to commend you for when you said my name, you said Aquino. Yes, I feel like a queen, indeed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank
1: you. You, you, you are. You made me you feel are. like a queen thus far. At the same time, I want to acknowledge that the pronunciation is Aquino, like, yes, but don't you love conversation? Because when you have open conversation, you receive what is being gifted to you in the moment, and then you can have feedback. And then we learn more about each other. And that's how connections foster and grow. So I'm very excited to, to venture into this conversation with you and get to know more about you, as well as you getting to know more about me so yes i'm really excited that was
2: a beautiful i love the
0: feedback (laughs) the acknowledgement that you are a queen but no
1: (laughs) and 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 no Uh, right in improv there's and yes and i think and no can also be positive because you're acknowledging and you're also fine-tuning so it's a Mm. win-win
0: i love it i love it (laughs) Thank you so much, Ivory, for being on this podcast today. We are so excited (laughs) to hear your story and to share it with our listeners, honestly, and to learn so much about you. Let's kick it off by asking, you know, what was your childhood like? I know you grew up in the Philippines. What was Mm. young Ivory Aquino like? So
1: young, unbridled Ivory Aquino was and still is a free spirit. I remember... Just playing with my classmates on the playground, and you know, it, w- it was it was during break time, and we would be running around and and play acting, and I remember immediately gravitating towards playing playing the girls, playing playing the females, and um, up until I think about, I think it was when I was eight years old. We were playing, and it was the first. T- there was something that happened where someone called out my playing a girl, and in their eyes, I wasn't supposed to. And that was the first time I took in that. Wait, what? What is happening? Um, I'm playing. We're playing. Why, why? Why are? Why are you giving me looks? Mm. So that was the first instance where. I allowed any sort of judgment to to color my experience mm. um, And looking back, I'm glad that happened because you know now in hindsight, when I think of anything that may be deemed negative, it's so satisfying when you've come come out the other side to look back and see that journey and that arc and realize that, any sense of self-love we have now is really born from those moments. So I have nothing but appreciation for that, for those moments. So whoever teased me back then and bullied me, I have so much love for them because it has really brought me to this place of deep and expanded love for myself and in turn love Mm. for my community and my friends and my family and my tribe. Um, So yes, going back to that time, um, it was, it was that push and pull of of joy and then of questioning, of joy and of questioning, and I would say that went on and off for um, for for several years, and I was about ten, I think, when I came out to my parents, um, and at this point I was very much insulated because of all the teasing and the bullying it was safer for me to to not be as expressive to Mm -hmm. to start building that shell that I felt at the time protected me and it did serve me so I was about 10 in the fifth grade when the you know when you boil water right Mm -hmm. we all know this happens when you when you Boil water. You put a lid on it. That lid is going to start to... To vibrate. It's not going to to... It's going to vibrate. Yes. It's not it's going to want yes. to yeah. stay on. So at that point, there was so much inside me that I was holding in. Um, I was having crushes on boys. And I I I went... They sent me to a quote-unquote all-boys school. You know, even, mm. because I was assigned male at birth. And that's mm. how that's how I was I was perceived and so I was having crushes on boys as as everyone does you it's 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 such a beautiful thing when you see someone and you see the beauty in them and you start having a crush and I was having that at the same time there was shame that was already attached to it because mm. you 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 were being teased and bullied and any sort of recognition of those feelings I think would in my mind, intensify the bullying mm. if I acknowledge that or if I allowed myself to express any of that. So when I was 10, I remember um, telling a friend of mine, she's actually, a, a, she's not a blood sister, but she's, she's my sister. Our dad's, her name is Kat. Oh my gosh, Kat, if you listen to this, I love you. <laughs> <hell. laughs> so Kat's dad and my dad, were classmates like all the way back in grade school. Mm. And um I don't I don't mean to, to detract from what I'm sharing now, but just a little bit of, of history so so you all can feel the depth of my connection with Kat. Um my dad when he was nine his his father passed and my grandmother wanted my dad to have the best education that they had access to. So he was he grew up in a province called Concepción Tarlac in the Philippines. And they sent my dad to the capital of the Philippines, Manila, on his own. Granted he stayed with the relatives, but his mom, my grandmother's my my grandmother stayed um in their hometown and my dad as a as a kid went to this big city. Um, And he felt felt all alone. I found out that when he went to school and got connected with um, his classmates, they remained lifelong friends because he considered them his brothers. At my dad's funeral a year and a half ago, it was so beautiful on Zoom to see his brothers be there in support of him. And that's how I found out actually through them uh, that my dad Felt very lonely when he first moved and that they really took him in and were very supportive. And it's reminding me of what you're doing, actually, because in essence, what you're doing with this podcast is creating a sisterhood, right? It's not a blood sisterhood, but it's an energetic sisterhood. And for me, that is that is as valid as a blood sisterhood. So my my dad had that brotherhood growing mm-hmm. up. And th- his best friend was, um, and still is, my now godfather Toto Malvar. So my niñong um, is is uh, Tagalog for godfather. So my niñong Toto, I remember, um, was telling me that uh, I think in high school when they moved into that realm, um, the teacher recognized their last names, and it, my my grandfather and. Um, Tito Toto Cat's grandfather were part of of the group that allowed independence for the Philippines. They were yeah. they were both oh. general like yeah they were um, generals. So the teacher in this classroom noticed noticed uh, their last names and asked, "Oh, um, I'll, I'll say it. I'll, I'll say it. I, I imagine how it was. Oh, Toto. Well, I'll, I guess I should say it in English so everyone can understand. So <laughs> essentially, the teacher was like, "Toto, you're um your your last name is Malvar. How are you related to?" To General Malvar and um, my Ninong Toto stood up and said he's my grandfather sir
0: and everyone's wow. like wow
1: wow wow and then um, the teacher saw my dad's last name and said oh Hermie um, I see your last name is Aquino how are you related to General Serviliano Aquino and then my dad stood up and said he's my father sir and looked at Ninong Toto and said aha I beat you huh <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> that's how they they really bonded cuz they they had this fun ener- energy of 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 competition but mm. but love behind it and that's how they really got close so when 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 we were born their kids we were immediately connected like as soon as we were born within wow. days or ho- however long it took for us to connect I cat is uh, a she. She was born a couple of years ahead of me, so she was there as my big sister when I was born. So energetically, that was in mm. place. So fast forward from that time, and from here, um, backtracking to the time when I was ten, I reached out to Cat and said, "Can I talk to you?" And I opened up with her at the time that I. I identified as gay because I didn't have the language to name myself as a transgender woman. I knew that I was attracted to boys. And because at that time I was being, I was labeled as a boy, even though I knew I was a girl, the language that I had was, okay, I'm gay. So that's what Mm -hmm. I shared with Kat. Mm -hmm. And mind you, she, at this point, she's like, what, 12? (laughs) she's like, (laughs) What do I There's do with this? A lot to this? take on for a 12-year-old. Oh yes. A lot yeah. to take on, a lot to take on. So understandably so and rightfully so, she she sought guidance from her parents mm. and and then my um her parents, my ninong Toto and my ninang Baby, then spoke with my parents and um mm. so they they had this very supportive environment amongst them even though they didn't necessarily understand and I remember um, I, I think I was just at home, my my, my parents because at this point I, I did not know that at this point that they knew because the it went from cat to my my godparents, and they communicated it to them. So when they talked to me and it was, I am so fortunate and lucky and blessed because they even though they didn't understand they were coming from a place of love Mm. Mm. so I I I have the deepest appreciation for my parents and how they chose to navigate it the best they could because I I feel I feel that even with even with words that come out or even acts that come, come from parents that we may not necessarily be in alignment with, it comes from a place of love. For instance, yeah. um, I feel when there's pushback to once coming out, it's because there is the idea that someone who who is gay or who, who's part of the queer community is, is in for a life that, has persecution that has discrimination, mm. and any parent wants their child to have as a life that that is free from those things so there was pushback from my parents in the sense that they um we we went to to counseling together, and mm. there was there was some input from from those sessions for me to at that point, not associate with my friends who, also, who I knew also were, were like myself. And, and see, this ties into a core thing with the queer community, which is not understanding or fear of the unknown. I feel that that ties into that because they had a little bit of the fear of the unknown. Right, they had right. no experience in, in raising a child who was queer um, I, I was I was I was the eldest, and so, what what I was told then, which was to not associate with my queer friends, was the best they could do. As we talked about earlier, when you have a pot, when you put the lid back on, that lid is bound to vibrate and and want to be, and and cool what off. is inside yeah. the pot wants to be freed, right? Mm-hmm. So I, gosh, from ten to, it was several years because. At 16, yeah, it, it, then from 10 to 16, I quote unquote was in the closet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it was a very lonely place.
0: Were your parents trying to seek therapy? I, I think you mentioned it was like therapy, right? With you? Yes. To yes. try and like undo the situation or try to understand further and help you become the individual that you want to be?
1: I would say that they didn't necessarily want to undo the situation.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: from what i recall the the options that were being presented to me are "We want," and I'm endeavoring to recall, and I feel that what transpired then was that um the the therapist was laying out that we want to be sure that you have space on your own to And maybe I'm sugarcoating it. I have no idea. And honestly, for myself, it's irrelevant. But I feel that the sugarcoated version probably was we want you to have space on your own to figure out and know yourself without any influence. Mm -hmm. And you know what? On paper, on paper, that may work however we are social beings and i feel that we gravitate towards people not by accident we gravitate towards people because there is uh there is something that we see in them that is part of ourselves so it was no accident that i gravitated towards the other kids who who i knew were queer and like i said we didn't have language to identify what our labels were but energetically we we were we were we were the very feminine ones playing in the playground we we enjoyed expressing ourselves and 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 being affectionate with each other as sisters are mm-hmm. so so i knew that this was my tribe back then and i'm mm-hmm. thankful actually that that early on there were there were people in in the, my school advir- environment that I was able to identify as part of my queer mm-hmm. community because I've heard stories of, of queer kids growing up and feeling alone without a therapist saying that they have to disassoci- mm-hmm. disassociate from a group because there were no groups. There wasn't any group that they could feel they were a part of.
2: So, Ivory, I just want to get clarity. You did share that. um, So there was a group within your school that um, shared your same, like, um, your same preferences so it was, it was, it sounded like, um, that was a beautiful story, by the way. Thank you so much for sharing oh, how you came out. Yes. Um, one thing that stood out to me was the fact that your kind of coming out was not, it wasn't intentional to your parents, right? It was shared with your friend and then suddenly it got past your parents. So I'm sure it must've been really challenging
1: to kind of not have, um. The reason any- I'm taking time to, to reflect is I think part, I don't, and I don't even know if I should call it a survival mechanism, but I'm noticing part of part of my mechanism, let's just say is I'm so focused on my present moment and what and what is ahead of me that there are past events that are almost blurred for me, mm-hmm. and I think I had to do that out of necessity um mm-hmm. however early on because you know it things have been labeled labeled as trauma and i think my 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 natural inclination has has always been to look at a glass half full at, to look at the mm. on the bright side um so if i'm going to endeavor looking back I, th- I i i think there was an element of me telling cat and whether it was whether it was spoken clearly, maybe it was implied that there was a desire or maybe there was also an assumption. Now, now I aim not to assume anything because what do we say? Like, what what is it? Like, assuming makes an ass out of you and me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't want to make an ass out of anyone. Um, so whether it was assuming or whether it was implied or whether I was hoping that she would tell my godparents and then would tell my parents because I understood their dynamic. Um, I think once I said that out loud, I knew, I knew that it was an inevitability that they would come to me and, that, and that that was actually easier it was easier for them to come to me. Uh,
2: I, I love that you're seeing it in such a way. And thank you for so beautifully articulating. I have the same sometimes when I reflect back on certain things in my past where it's sometimes sometimes it's so far away that you're like, I don't really know exactly how it happened. But I know the rough kind of circumstance and what you describe for us. I feel like we can very much sense how there's this, um, like you said, this tension. But at the same time, you were in a community that supported you the best that they could at that time with what they knew. Absolutely. Um, so that's definitely coming through. Yeah. Thank you so much. For yeah. Absolutely.
1: Sharing that. Aww. You're welcome.
0: Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet.
3: You're such a great storyteller and you're saying how like um you're sorry about uh from 10 to 16 you told you told us the lid was back on right on the pot. What I want to hear about what happened when the like the lid finally came off again like what happened after 16.
1: Oh oh this is a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in high school um yeah cuz like around 10 11 I was in grade school and then in high school which still was it had the same mostly the same students with with some some additional students. Um and it still was quote unquote an all boys school. Um this most of the queer the queer kids who I had to disassociate from, in my eyes, they were thriving. Cause in grade mm. school we had uniforms. In high school we we our we had a dress code rather than a uniform. You know, it was pants, it was like a shirt with a collar and sleeves, the the hair had to be a certain length and what have you. But my queer friends, they were living it up. They were growing their hair as long as they could, and then and then you know would would use gel or hair styling products to mm. keep it up. And then the pants were very form fitting, and the, the colors were vibrant and so feminine and alive and. I was seeing this around me from a distance, and and you know we were very cordial with each other, mind you. There uh, there wasn't any animosity or any of mm-hmm. that. Like there would be hi, hello, and to their credit, they there was an understanding that whatever this disengagement there was had nothing to do with me personally, but had everything to do with the circumstances because I wasn't alone. There were there were other girls. And 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 boys, because at this point some of them identify as gay and there's let me count, okay. In this in my high school, in my class, there's six there's six or seven. I'm trying to remember there's one more. How big so, was yes, your class? So out of out of about four hundred students oh, wow. Wow. So, Yeah, so 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 there there were there there was a section of, of forty students and there were ten. Mm. 10 sections so there was about 400 so out of 400 there's seven there's seven of us that are trans women and the rest identify as either gay or gender nonconforming so mm-hmm. from from a distance i you know when we pass each other there would be the eye contact and the acknowledgement but there wasn't the the day to day hey girl like i, I was mm-hmm. i was missing out I, mm-hmm. I i was missing out for the first um 2 years of high school and then mm-hmm. the summer before junior year i'm oh my gosh everything in me was like i i i can no longer keep the lid on i remember going to the the, the, the my parents bathroom cuz it was more it was just more spacious and there was a beautiful dresser and plucking my eyebrows mm. that was oh you I, didn't I,
0: shave it that was my first I, oh I, I, I
1: yeah <laughs> and wasn't it? How did you feel like when you did had that for the first time? Like, oh, when I'm I shaved curious. and I
0: saw and saw like hair on my skin, I was like, oh no, this is terrible! I should have plucked. Never <laughs> shave.
1: <laughs> Thankful well, thankfully the the other the other girls, because you know, even amongst my queer tribe here who identify as gay or non-conforming, we call, we call each other sis, sisters, girls. So amongst the girls, I. The reason I even knew to do that, because they were doing it. And I was like, mm. oh my gosh, I mm. I want that too. Mm-hmm. So in the summer, I grew my hair out. I think I put highlights in. I got like really form-fitting um, jeans and like a form-fitting top. And I remember the first day of junior year, I walk in and the classroom was... Um, normally the classrooms are like level, but for some reason, the classroom that I was in that year, it was stacked. It was like this. It was, you enter here, right? I mean, let me, let me, um, describe it for, for, for our listeners. So you enter and then, so there's a, there's a level, there's level concrete that you walk through, but then behind it, it's, it's like a, it's like stared, it's like tiered. Mm -hmm. So I enter and then there's a middle, Uh, there's a middle aisle that you walk through to get to the to get to the the seats so I literally I walk in I think right before class starts and I kid you not as I walk in I literally hear a collective
0: (gasps) a collective
1: (laughs) gasp of shock And as I'm walking through that, that middle aisle to get to the seat in the back, it's like it was this endless it was this endless gasping of <gasps>
0: <laughs> Wait, it's because you were dre- like you, had, because, I, I know you had dre- I, because I presented browse because I presented very
1: differently presented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from okay, the last okay. day of second year of, of, of sophomore year to the first day of junior oh, year. Okay. So right in and, the middle of okay. And that's how I came out. As a Ooh. as a trans woman mm. as a trans girl, there mm. and because there was still no language there was still no language um, back then, but that that was it that was my that was my coming out as a trans woman at wow. sixteen.
2: That's very yeah. visually powerful the way you've described it. Yeah. Like there are no was... words, but you just came oh. like through visual and through how so you change beautiful. your identity.
0: Oh thank my you gosh. for sharing, just like <laughs> the context and the backstory, and taking us through this whole journey. I mean, I think that is so important, especially as part of this podcast, and for anyone out there who is, you know, going through their own questions with their own identity, you know, who might be, you know, needing some just, just other people's stories to hear. Thank you for sharing that. It was very, very powerful. My, my pleasure. Thinking back to like young Ivory, was there anything that she needed that could have made things easier for her? Any advice that you would ooh, could ooh. give to someone who might also be going through something similar?
1: You know what? I want to I want to tie in th- um what you're asking with my coming out as a trans girl because mm-hmm. I I do recognize that when one looks back, right, on the past, what matters really is how you tell that story in the present. Who who knows, I may have walked in and felt so much shame inside. Who knows, that's irrelevant. But mm-hmm. as I'm sitting here, I truly recollect that I walked in with the biggest amount of pride ever in my heart. Mm. And yeah. whether whether that it's accurate or not, what matters is that is a story I'm choosing to tell now. Mm. Because it may very well have there may very well have been shame, and they and they there may very well have been the largest amount of pride. who knows but what I know is this is a story I'm telling, and recently i I came across a quote, and the essence of it is I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna paraphrase, but the essence of it is how fortunate am I to have the power to rewrite my childhood mm-hmm. because it's true. It is true. The story that you tell yourself now about your childhood determines how empowered you are right now. I could have told the story about the bullying in a very different way. But because of where I am now and all the love I feel in my community and the love I am feeling from you, how could I tell a story other than what I told in terms of having so much love for those who bullied me and not have integrity with who I am now? Mm, So so to to answer your question um, in terms of what could make it easier for Little Ivory, I feel we're doing it now. We are Uh making it easier for Little Ivory by telling the story that she deserves, which is a story that she was and always will be unconditionally loved, period. Mm -hmm. When there are bullies it's it doesn't come it it only comes from a place of vulnerability because that is what those that's all that the bullies knew to do. There is a cycle of pain that they unfortunately got looped into that they themselves continued that cycle of pain because they didn't know any better, and it takes consciousness and intention to break any cycle. And I am choosing, I have chosen and I'm continuing to choose to be involved in a cycle of love. Mm -hmm. And we are continuing that now and you are allowing me to be in this cycle with you and with the community community that you have grown with your podcast. So thank you for making it easier for Little Ivory. Thank
0: you. Oh, no. Thank you so much. That was so beautifully said. And I can imagine someone who's in their boiling pot with a lid on face right now, hearing what's on sort of the other side where you are fully full of love and acceptance, even for the bullies that might be hurting them right now. It's like they probably want to get there as fast as possible. And you're inspiring them too. So, Oh,
1: wow. I'm literally getting goosebumps. And... uh, since we're in the topic of bullies uh, I I walk this world now and I I see people as either being the love that they are or yearning for the love that they are So the bullies are yearning for the love mm-hmm. that they are they're yearning for that they're in pain and and th- that's it if we're able to I invite, I invite you I invite whoever's listening to see through the eyes and in the context of love if love is the barometer and if love is that point where that that central point from which people are either close to or far from then it's easier to walk this world with compassion and empathy and the desire and the power to contribute.
2: Yeah, thank you. That was so beautifully said, Ivory. want to learn more about your acting career. It's <laughs> I, We were reading your bio and it's amazing. You've been in a number of different roles on stage, on television, in film, but there is one particular body of work that we want to talk more about, which yes. won the 2018 GLAAD Award for Outstanding Limited Series and also made People Magazine's one to watch, and the Hollywood Reporter's "The Next Big Thing" features. Um, so let's just give some context to our listeners and background to set it. In May of 2016, the Obama administration passed Title IX, protecting the rights of transgender students to use the restrooms and locker rooms that match their gender identities. And one year later, in 2017, you got your big break into network television in ABC's docu series "When We Rise." playing Cecilia Chung, a trans woman and advocate for the transgender community and those living with HIV AIDS. As timing would have it, When We Rise's release coincided with when the Trump administration revoked those protections, and this left um, you know, a lot of transgender school children very vulnerable. So this role that you played came at a very significant time, and we'd love to hear you tell us a bit about What did it mean to you to portray Cecilia's story as a trans woman at this particular time in history?
1: Ooh, Cecilia. I love Cecilia. Yes, thank you for for allowing me to talk about this journey of my craft of acting. We already had talked earlier when, when I was little. Actually, already role-playing back then right and then the most precious moments as a child also were were when what I was with myself I would go under a table and play act and so that was always in my heart that has always been a passion and the reason I the reason I moved to New York was to pursue my acting career I have the most loving supportive parents I moved from the Philippines to the United States as an exchange student. So I was very fortunate that my my parents had the means to do that for me. I was an exchange student in high school. I, I did an extra year of high school as an exchange student. Oh my God. And this is, I love, I love telling cute stories. And this is a very cute story. Um, I went to... Um, and I promise you, we will get to Cecilia because Cecilia is part of my heart. Um, I, when I was an exchange student at Immaculate Heart Central in Watertown, New York, we th- we were back to uniforms and I had to wear pants, right? I had to wear pants and a necktie. And I had to go to the freaking boys' ro- boys' restroom because that's how it was. Mm. So I, I remember... Um, I was about to go into the boys' restroom, and I, I think the reason I I had the fortitude to to be able to do that while I was in that school is because I was sent to an all boys school growing up. It wasn't um, it wasn't jarring for me to be in the same space as boys in a restroom, right? Even um, when I was a junior and a senior in high school, I was I was very I was. Uh, allowing my, my my femininity to to express and I still had to go into the same restrooms as as boys so and and you know these were these were kids that I grew up with so there was that comfort level in terms of okay we're just in the same space and I realize mm. now oh my gosh don't you love these moments when you have realizations that come up in the moment I realize now that the reason I had fortitude to go into rest into um into a a boys' restroom when I was an exchange student in high school is because growing up, for me, I didn't feel the animosity when I entered that space. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think a big part of wanting to be able to go into the restroom um, of the gender that you are and identify with is to be able to just take care of your business and feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And how can you feel comfortable in a comfort room when there is animosity or there there is any sort of antagonistic energy that is that you are feeling towards you right yeah. so a i'm a good place yeah yes it, it, right. it is yeah. you want it it, it it's a, it's called a comfort room or a rest room right so i'm i'm toggling back and forth between these stories now i feel i feel now the reason why it, it it's because of that So I walk into this restroom and then there was a boy there who saw me walk in and then immediately he looks at me and says, oh, the girl's restroom is is next door. And I didn't have any words. All I could do was slowly lift my finger and point to my necktie. And slowly I saw his eyes understand. Slowly he uttered, oh... And then I used the restroom, mm-hmm. and I have fond memories of that story because his O was an O of understanding. I'm realizing yeah. now, and not not one of animosity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I also realize his sense of understanding came from my entering the restroom without any fear, because I had I had I had no fear using the boys' restroom when I was in high school,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? And so at the end of the day, it all boils down to I want, we want as a community to be able to enter spaces where we feel safe. Mm -hmm. That is the bottom line. And the whole issue of why I feel very strongly that a trans girl in this environment we find ourselves in now to enter a restroom that is not of her her gender. The reason that that is unsafe is because adults adults are coming up with policies that is creating an environment that is toxic and unfortunately bleeding into the minds of kids that tells them that someone who is trans doesn't belong period so i feel that that is that is a deeper issue at hand right and if we're talking about restrooms it it boils down to me growing up eager to go through my transition because i wanted a fair chance just like everyone else at life to be able to walk through the door, live my life, pursue my dreams without being stared at with judgment. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing. So now I'm going to circle back to Cecilia. Cecilia Chung is a pillar in our community because she has devoted her life to giving voice to us and to ensuring that we have safe spaces Cecilia, like myself, is an immigrant. And as I'm telling this story, there's so many, there's a few parallels that are going to be happening. I'm going to be talking about Cecilia's journey and my acting journey and how it all coincided and coincides. So Cecilia was an is an immigrant um, from Hong Kong. She also um, studied abroad in Australia. So there's that element. So I grew up in the Philippines. I was an exchange exchange student in the U.S. So here, we're talking about Cecilia and and Ivory's journeys. And at some point, Cecilia moved to the U.S. in San Francisco. So same, we're now in the U.S. Ivory's in the U.S. years later, right? The difference is that Cecilia ended up homeless at some point because of the level of misunderstanding to which her family and mom the way they processed the information that she was queer um was 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 taken quite differently there was Mm. there was and I don't know the details of it because when I come across someone else in the queer community I have no desire to to dig up any trauma from their past Mm. so I know in a general way that um, it was hard for her family and for her mom who she's so close with to understand and so at some point she she had to fend for herself and she mm. did in, indeed end up homeless and um, at some point she con- contracted HIV because she had to survive mm. um, and had to do what she had to do um, and the... I want to address, as I'm telling this story, the correlation of love and sex and the queer community. What happens to, of course, I'm not, I'm not putting a blanket statement on everyone, but I feel what can happen and what has happened is because you because some, someone from, from the queer community comes out and there is, there's a wall that suddenly is put, right? From the people you expect to love you the most there is so much shame and pain that occurs that there is a desire to feel love from anywhere from mm. from from anywhere will do i want to feel love i want to feel love so that's why there there's sexual connections and encounters that happen that are not necessarily um the healthiest mm. because because your body your being wants to be loved and suddenly you go from having a family to being homeless or not having a family. Your, your being wants to experience that in any way it can. And so I feel that from a place of fear, when you come from a place, when one comes from a place of fear, wanting that love, there is, um, not. I wouldn't want to say a cycle, but what comes out of that may not necessarily be the healthiest mm. HIV, I feel that happened because of, of, of that and being shunned and not supported by the government in healthcare. So that is the, the epidemic that, that occurred mm-hmm. that Cecilia had to, to emerge from. And she not only emerged intact as an individual, she emerged as an individual with a mission to contribute and and fortify her community so she she ended up being um commissioner and and the head of 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 health in in san francisco she She really rose to the ranks and she devoted and continues to vote, to devote her life to the community because of the adversity that she experienced so that was what I came across when I got a breakdown to play her in when we rise i saw a breakdown is a description of a character right Mm -hmm. that i got from my agent i see this breakdown i see that she's asian american i see that the role is asking of her to be played from her her teen years into into her 40s because she that 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 was um that was how old she was when she became commissioner and Mm -hmm. and was was Uh, an advocate for the community so I'm like I'm looking at this breakdown I'm like oh my gosh I get to to play her and actually also age into her as an advocate for the community I could not believe it because I had never first of all seen a role that also was a trans woman because Mm. up until that point that I read that breakdown I had i had already moved to to New York I, I I was doing theater I was doing a lot of Shakespeare I wouldn't say I was fortunate enough to be perceived as cisgender, but my being perceived as cisgender allowed me to play roles that were cisgender. And at that point, right. no, one, no one in really in my immediate circle in New York knew. When, when, when I would have those dagger stares of judgment and persecution, my being wanted to transition and be perceived as cisgender just so I'd have a chance. Mm -hmm. And not be judged when I walked out the door. So, so that the only reason that even happened is is because of that. Me personally, however one is viewed, is freaking beautiful. We're, we're, we are all human beings, but we're not one, we're not, we're not one cookie cutter version of one thing. Mm -hmm. The reason we have such a beautiful, planet that we live on is because of diversity right we get to travel to different places and experience new cultures that's freaking exciting if you had to go to like the other side of the world and be in the exact same city what is the point (laughs) you know (laughs) so diversity is what contributes to to the beauty in our life so however one presents or however one is perceived that is beautiful that's why that's why when i see these things coming up about um about drag being perceived as a threat the only reason the only reason that's perceived as a threat is because when one comes from a place of fear and fearing the unknown of course walls are going to be put up i feel our viewers are so open minded anyway so what i will then invite our our viewers to um take on if you so wish is to have an open mind when coming across someone who may not be as open-minded and invite mm-hmm. those people to rather than coming from a place of fear come from a place of curiosity
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because if For there's sure. someone
1: who's close-minded who comes from a place of curiosity then they will have that curiosity to ask about someone they may not have encountered to ask a drag queen about what she's gone through and why she's chosen to express herself in drag, and they will—they may very well come um, hear that the this glorious, beautiful drag queen is expressing herself in drag because she had a dark childhood that was full of judgment as well, and drag allows her to spread joy and and t- and to 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 be colorful and vibrant, you know. And then the person who who was close-minded can see from a different light and see that, oh, my gosh, this person is coming from a place of love. And how can that be a threat? How can that be Mm -hmm. a threat to our children? Right. So if there is curiosity rather than fear, which Cecilia had, Cecilia didn't come from a place of fear. She came from a place of love and curiosity about her her journey she was mm-hmm. curious about her journey in the sense of, if I can step into something greater than myself, I am curious what I will see on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. And look, what she, look at what she has achieved for our community. So I had the opportunity to audition for a role of this magnitude. And everything in my being knew Knew that I was destined to play this role. Did the studio approach you knowing that you were also a transgendered woman? So the studio did not know that I was a a trans woman, and Mm -hmm. and you know we're in a safe space here, right, Janet, Mel, Mel, and For Sure, yes, and all the listeners
0: listening in, yes, absolutely, we're in a safe space. Yes, and
1: also, um, if you, if you, if you, you, may I, may I offer feedback as well? Oh, for sure, please. In in the feedback, out of of course out of love and out of expansion for all of us here and um and in the community i think i heard i i heard um you men- mentioned transgendered woman mm-hmm, i just want mm-hmm. to offer a clarification that in the community we use we use transgender woman because got it yes because yeah and i i'm so happy to see your face right now viewers i hope you could see helen's face because she is receiving my feedback oh, for with sure. such I love mean, because it's we're coming doing out, of, this oh my, out of
0: curiosity yes I there think you go. it's always see? a learning experience and, there you and, go. And, and I'm glad our listeners are hearing what is the correct term to use so that they can use it going forward too you know exactly. I think it's very important to have these conversations yeah.
1: exactly and I am so proud of you and thrilled for you that you are in this space of curiosity and love and knowing that I'm coming from a place of love because yes like um, it, transgendered sometimes has that element of it being put upon but mm. which it's not, right? This is who we are. So mm-hmm. when, when I say I'm a transgender woman, it's who I am. Mm. And you know what? I want to address something here that I, I don't believe um, we've we've experienced in our conversation, but I've experienced in the past couple of weeks. When I hear someone say, "Hey guys," or "Hey, hey, hey mm. yeah, hi, hi guys, hey guys," I, I understand. I understand that it's something that is commonplace and is taken on as addressing the collective. At the same time, and I am so thankful for my trans friend who pointed this out, I was in a space, in a room a couple of years ago. We were doing a reading of Chonbury um, Chonbury Hotel and International... Butterfly Club at Williamstown Theater Festival. We were, I'm mentioning that play because it's a play by my dear friend, Shakina Nafak. She wrote this play about a community of transgender women. The Chonbury International Hotel and Butterfly Club is about a group of transgender women. So we were in that space doing this reading and one of the girls, because someone had said, hey guys, one of the girls was brave enough to come from a place of love to share with the room that she and there are other Um, girls as well who feel excluded with the term hey guys because it's and and the room received it and we realized oh my goodness just because it's something we've heard our whole lives it doesn't mean that um we should keep doing right it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that it's Mm -hmm. something we should keep saying or keep doing and now we have the choice to consciously understand how someone in our community is feeling and be supportive of her by using language that um, that aligns with her. So now mm-hmm. I just say now instead of saying hey guys or hi guys I say hey y'all, hi y'all, hi everyone, yeah. hey everyone. Oh my gosh. Honestly yeah. that's
0: actually something that I I think I might have mentioned on this podcast before that that's something I've also been trying not to say. I Same. think it's been Same. so normalized within our just daily dialect where I'm like, well, not everyone is a guy. And when someone calls yes. me, hey, guy, I'm like, I'm not a guy. <laughs> right? So I, I have been saying more like, hey, y'all. But I'm like, am I Southern? No, yeah. but <laughs> y'all just comes out more naturally now. So, it does, so quickly, right? Yes, yeah. yes. I think that's a very good point to make. Yeah, um, yeah, just to make people feel more included.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's empowering to to learn something and and be conscious about wanting wanting to do something new if you feel that it is in service. Of the community And sure. um, I'm actually I'm fine with it Me personally I'm fine with it Like if I hear it I'm cool with it And then I realized Okay I'm cool with it And there is Something I noticed Within myself Of a comfort level If I'm comfortable with it I can coast through My entire life Being comfortable Without necessarily Making a contribution So mm-hmm. I decided Wait a minute Yes I'm comfortable And I, I choose To consciously when I can step out of my comfort level from a place of love, speak out so that someone can consciously make a choice for themselves whether mm. or not they then themselves want to be of service to their community. Um, that was a huge thing for me because once I, once I was perceived as cisgender years ago, I must admit I was in a comfort level. I was in my comfort zone. And mm. once I got cast as Cecilia Chung, and to answer your question, the creatives did not know that I was yeah. trans. In fact, nor did the casting directors. In yeah. fact, I did not hear back a week later after I sent in my tape and I wrote a note to casting. Thankfully, um, there's this website called Actors Access. And in there, if it's set up a certain way, one can um, write a note that the the casting director is able to see so i thankfully it was set up in a way that i was able to write to casting and i a week later about a week later i wrote them i said thank you it i it was um an honor to be able to audition for cecilia and i just want to make sure that you know as well that i am also transgender i think it was that same afternoon i got a call that i got a call back and in my head i'm thinking i wonder if i wonder if that had anything to do with it so I did the call. I did the callback uh, a few days later. I think I think my first initial audition was four scenes. The callback had a fifth scene, an additional scene. I did the callback, and back then you could. It was still in person um, with Marcy Phillips, an amazing casting director at ABC. Um, and then a few days later, I find out I was up for network approval. And a few days later, I found out I got the role. I found out I got the role in my immigration. Uh, in my immigration attorney's office because at that point i was going from an artist visa an o1 visa applying for my green card and oh my gosh i'm so happy to share this with you what is it today is today today's tuesday right so mm-hmm. last wednesday i i went into immigration they got my biometrics my fingerprints my signature and my photograph because i'm now on track to getting my citizenship <gasps> Incredible! Yes, so I'm so excited to share that with you. So, yes, and we're talking about like Cecilia being an immigrant. So, yes, I'm 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 getting my citizenship, and I think it's going to happen this year. My friends told me it's happening in record time. Like they said, oh, when we first sent it in, it took us months. I literally got this notice f- for biometrics like a month after I sent mine in. I sent my my application 2323, February 3rd, 23, 2323, oh, right? That is so, incredible. So I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, that's so, so cool. It sounds like hearing you play the role of Cecilia was such just a monumental role, not only for the industry and the entertainment space and the need to showcase this person but also for you as someone who is a transgender woman what are are some roles yeah what are some roles that you're looking forward to playing because this sounds like the role that would have like it's just so perfect for you what else do you are you looking forward to
1: and 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 it is perfect indeed because it allowed me to meet Cecilia in person Mm -hmm. honestly roles for me or jobs they're amazing to be able to do. At the same time, I see them as vehicles to connect. Hmm. And that was meant for me in order for me to meet Cecilia. And I'm thankful for that role and for that show because, as I mentioned, during that period, I was I was going from my 01 artist visa, applying for my green card. And that show and that role actually... Was a big contribution to why mm-hmm. I was able to get my green card,
0: so wow. um,
1: ev- ev- everything is 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 connected, right? I'm in a space now where my heart is so full because I I truly feel empowered. Um, a few months ago, Batgirl was shelved. I was cast in Batgirl a few months after my dad and my grandmother passed. This was in in 2021. Um, my dad passed July 31st, 2021, and my grandmother passed October of 2021. And then a couple weeks later, uh, I was on set for, for a show. That's when I got the call telling me I got cast in Batgirl. And I was crying tears of joy. It was It, it was the culmination of, for me... It was a culmination of my journey because the platform was gonna be on a level that was truly global and mainstream. It was it it was a DC film with uh, an Afro-Latina bat girl, and you have a trans her trans woman best friend, right? So it was gonna be on this scale that would reach so many in terms of them seeing how normalized a trans person is how normal a trans person is. So that's what I I was excited about. And um, this is tied into your question for sure. I was excited about that as well because the casting director had enough vision and enough trust in me to ask me um, if I could be in support of of, of finding the, the kid who would play my younger self. And at that point, they they had hit a dead end. They, they said, we might end up having to cast someone cisgender and we don't know if it would have to be a cisgender boy or a cisgender girl. And I said, hold on, before you entertain any of that, let me do what I can because I realized if a trans kid, a trans girl was given this opportunity, if Little Ivory was given an opportunity to be herself and be in a film that would reach so many people being herself, that would change Little Ivory's life. Mm -hmm. That would Mm -hmm. change the life of whoever was cast. That would change the life of any trans girl who would then see this film and see themselves normalized on the screen. Absolutely, So, So... I was fortunate enough, through my network, through through my friend, to be able to find um, a trans girl who was also Filipina,
2: mm.
1: who ended up doing filming her scenes in the film, and th- the disappointment I had when Batgirl was shelved had in large part was in large part because of that. I'm mm-hmm. not giving anything away mm-hmm. in terms of plot, but I am. Sharing that in the film, I what I love is the fact that you have this friendship and nothing about my being trans or Alicia's being trans is talked about because that's mm-hmm. what I have with my friends. We live our lives, mm-hmm. normal lives, without having to talk about our being trans because our being trans is enough. Our being trans mm. is is valid enough. Absolutely. And that's why what I, what I appreciated about the script. Oof, um, man,
0: we are just as bummed that that is not going to be aired. But hopefully, hopefully
1: it does come back or I'm sure there are going to be many more roles. I'm so f- happy with where I am now because I only have love for Warner Brothers and love for for David Zaslav, who is the C- the CEO of the company who shelved it. I only have love because I trust in the bigger scheme of things, that things mm-hmm. will align. That's such a great attitude. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm also human. When that happened, I was devastated because, wow. and here, this is the biggest gift of Batgirl in my life. On the surface, my this is my biggest dream, right? On the surface, this is my biggest dream. Um, I was signed on for... For two other films, you know, like for so like the biggest dream suddenly was shattered, right? So on the surface, you have the biggest dream that's shattered, and when I look back on that, the fact that I am that I am here feeling empowered, the the fact that I feel invincible despite the biggest dream quote unquote crumbling, that is a gift of Batgirl, because if I if I I can tap into my self-worth as a human being that is worthy as a trans woman that is worthy on the merit of my existence alone without the trappings of a big studio film without the trappings of anything that huge if I'm able to tap into that then I truly am invincible and my facility that I am putting belief in will call in other projects Mm
2: -hmm. yeah Ivory, you have such a beautiful perspective. Thank you, thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, honestly, we can—it's evidenced by the way—that you share how you interpret outcomes and your attitude. That um, that your world and all the future projects you're gonna do are gonna be amazing. And we are so thankful that you came on to our show and shared about your history and shared about um, you know all the things that you've gone through. I know that listeners out there will. Be very, um, very moved. And if anyone out there wants to connect with you,
1: is there some place that they can find you online? Absolutely. My handle is Ms. Ivory Aquino. That's that's Miss Ivory Aquino. So it's M-S-I-V-O-R-Y-A-Q-U-I-N-O. That's my handle on Instagram, on Twitter. I believe also, I think, yeah, those are... Someone help me with TikTok. I signed yeah. up like I signed up a couple of years ago with that handle and now I can't get in. I can't get into my own handle. Maybe the and I maybe the universe is saying, okay, you have enough on your plate. So I trust. Yeah. I honestly trust. I'm like in the right time.
2: Exactly. So that yeah. In the right time. So we can find Ivory on Instagram and on Twitter. And sometime in the future, TikTok. Um, Thank you so much again for joining us, Ivory. Your story is beautiful. Um, Listeners, go ahead and reach out to her if you have any other questions or if you want to connect. And Ivory, just to close this out, what is one thing you would like to leave our listeners with?
1: Everyone, we are all reflections of each other. I invite us all to remember that beautiful thing about us. Wherever you are... Whatever you are going through, know that you are enough and that you are fully and unconditionally loved. I may not know you, but I do adore and love you.
2: Mm. That was beautiful. Thank you so much, Ivory. That made my heart sink. (laughs) I'm about to cry. I know
0: you're speaking to me thank you <laughs> yeah.
2: I'm speaking to all of you yeah. 100%
0: that's beautiful
2: thank you so much Ivory
0: if you don't already please follow us on Spotify subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts leave us a rating and review and share this episode with your friends you can also support us through monthly donations at anchor.fm slash Asian Boss Girl slash support or get some merch at asianbossgirl.myshopify.com.
2: If you resonated with today's episode, let us know in the comments of our IG post. And if you'd like to put faces to our names, you can find us on YouTube where we share vlogs, an audience Q&A segment called Dear ABG, and much more. Our handle on both platforms is at If you'd like to send a shout out to a friend,
3: check out our link tree in our in bio and click on shout outs. And last but not least, thank you to our super talented editor, Michelle, for working all her magic on our episodes, including this one.
0: In addition to our main show that releases every Thursday, we now each host mini shows that release on Tuesdays. Tune in to.
3: No Dumb Questions with Mel. Living Well with Janet. And Spill
0: the Baby Tea with Helen.
2: Each week, we release a new episode of one of the shows right here on the Asian Boss Girl feed. So be sure to tune in to us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Thank you so much, Iria Kino. And listeners, until next time, we will catch you on the next episode. Bye!